Welcome back to the Deep End podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and today we have a very special guest, Dane Thomas. Dane is an esoteric entrepreneur, a rap ritualist, and a spiritual smartass. And the reason why I've invited Dane onto this podcast is because I actually have felt quite triggered by Dane in the past, and I'm all about doing that, like just confronting my shadows and looking at what there is to explore there and and better understanding the person on the other side because you are quite disruptive Dane and in your in your being and who you are you disrupt patterns and I love that about you that's what they tell me yeah okay so let's start there right all right so um yeah it's it's somebody who's so sexually liberated as you that um it obviously it just brings up stuff within me that I haven't potentially owned or haven't journeyed with and then this like what what I perceive and what I it's uncomfortable <laughs> I can feel heat coming up in my face right? <laughs> but I know you're like somebody that I'm assuming I shouldn't assume, but I feel and sense that you're somebody who is into this sort of stuff anyway, like that disruption. But anyway, um, yeah, what? It's your seduction, your ability to seduce, and I feel it in in your presence. And I and 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 I don't know if that's a projection or what that is, um, but that's what I feel triggered by. Right. Okay. Do you want to? Are we going to start from there? Is that where we're starting? Uh, why not? We can start from there. And then I would love to, um, I'd love to share with my listeners a little bit about you and where you're at and, and where you've come from to get to where you are now. Nice. Um, but yeah, let's start there. What do you think about that? <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, it's, there's been quite a journey with me around sex and sexuality and, um, integrating so-called like darker aspects as well you know I've, I've, there's been a lot of work with that and I, i'd say like between six and ten years working if not more but just journeying with um you know how do we how do we or how do i get get all parts of me into one being in some kind of way that is coherent and cohesive you know and um, I've come through the conscious sexuality scene, if you want to call it that, over the last sort of, yeah, probably 10 years. And, you know, before that, in my, in my 20s, I was a little crazy little rapper dude who was just chaos and, I don't know, got into like pickup and seduction and all that sort of cheesy stuff and learned a bunch of that. But really, I think it was just like, I was trying to find a way to integrate my sex because in the world that I grew up in, there wasn't really a health, healthy models of male um, men with integrated sexuality. You know, there was either sexually repressed males or the men that were in their sexual power, if you would even call it that, the, the moments of sexual power or whatever sexual uh, expression that I was aware of was usually not very healthy, you know? So mm, yeah, 
so there's this kind of map of these two extremes of like nobles cock is in everyone's face you know like and it's like okay well that's i neither of those is going to work and, and i've had elements of, and so gradually just trying to integrate that into some sort of cohesive whole and then i don't know i think it's an interesting time to be a man if that's if that's you know i i didn't I, I, it's funny for me i feel like i've done the masculine and feminine journeys so much that the, the labels are starting to not mean what they did for me but yeah. i'm also don't fully relate to the like non-binary let's dissolve gender completely i don't fully relate to that but i also just a little bit relate to that and then i can hang around with like you know men's circles bro purpose and i'm like ah, you know that's kind of feels like old you know i think it, but for me, yeah, I just want to be myself, you know? I just want to be all of myself. And I think we're in, a, we're in an era where male sexuality is very um, taboo, actually, mm. you know? Yeah. Like it's the, we're in the post-Me Too era, you know? Like, you don't really want to be the guy who's, alleged to be hitting you know and, I, and i'm not and i'm not kind of sticky territory already very quickly sticky territory but like uh that the era we're in a lot of what's come up is very necessary but i think it can be it can be interesting for a male human to navigate if they want to be connected to their sexuality because that that can already be labeled very negatively very quickly without anyone without having done anything wrong, you know? So I'm not speaking to excuse abusers and anything like that. I'm just mean a regular guy whose sex is expressed. It's already, you know, a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I want to go down that rabbit hole because it's, I'm so curious. I have met and spoken to other men about this and I want to know what it felt like for you as a man who, like you just said, regular man learning how to navigate your sexuality post something like second wave feminism and the Me Too movement. What what came up for you in terms of expressing your sexuality? I mean, <clears throat> like around, are we talking like around Me Too time, whenever that was? That was a few, that was quite a while now or like? Yeah, or just even post that. Like what does it feel like to be able to, you know, there's this, I guess where it's coming from is like there's this desire that I am aware of with many women and I don't want to generalise here but I'm totally generalising and that is this this desire to be ravished and then men yeah. not knowing how to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah, and so there's this, what's this, just the forever dance of contradictions around like, you know, my female friends who would be more in the embodied tantrically connected you know f feminine arts kind of world all you're going to hear is i just want to be ravished i just want a man who could this and that you know and then we go more into the uh i don't know the into the politics of the internet and the more feminist shaped worldview and, and it's much more um about we need to kind of keep men in check and men need to fucking sort out their issues and why is it all abuse and women being murdered by men and you know and that's all fucking true as well like i'm not i'm not one of the people who's like oh that's all that's some agenda like like i 
fully empathize and agree with why that movement is at where it's at but it's clear there's two there's a minimum there's millions of narratives but there's two separate narratives that a man is likely to hear from women and i think for me um especially around that time you know i was more moving into teaching sexuality and doing tantra teaching you know and i'd been doing like yoni massage and sexuality sex you know tantric sex type sessions and that sort of stuff and i remember chatting to michaela bohm about this you know and her being like look if you're going to keep building your brand and getting more famous and you're going to do this work you're going to have issues you know you're going to have shit kind of come for you and i was like what but i'm just innocently i just want to spread love and no no no, no you know <laughs> and then you know one by one there was more and more dudes in the sexuality scene particularly older men that were very established teachers or gurus or whatever one by one like oh that guy's a fucking abuser oh that guy raped someone it's like jesus christ like i i don't want to be i had a very strong like i don't want to be even even vaguely offered up or associated to that that archetype of like the sleazy guru or the or the sexual predator or the um you know, person who uses their power um, to get laid kind of, you know. And so there's definitely a journey, an inquiry journey for me around like, what is, what is my ethics? What are my desires? Who am I really? Why am I here? Why am I drawn to this kind of work? You know, and I decided that for me, um, I didn't want to become, I didn't really want to hold the like, I do tantric body work for money and do yoni massage and that kind of stuff. I, I kind of reflected on, yeah, if I'm going to keep building my brand and I'm going to go more provocative with like fucking makeup and pentagrams and this and that, it's like maybe that could potentially be an issue. Not that I feel I would ever um, cross anyone's boundaries or do anything wrong in a session, but more in terms of the narratives of who you are you know and i mean i even for those that don't know I, I created a healing modality called the spiral and we built that and that became its own a training school and i found increasingly um through the the late 20 teens you know that there was this coming towards 2020 there was this journey of a contradiction between being the the cis white male owner of a healing modality and moving more into my artist expression which definitely has a darker flavor to it you know where i'm working with occult imagery and this whole kind of dark wizard concept and yeah definitely referencing sexuality and penetrative sexuality and seductive kind of stuff and it was like hmm is this gonna be this is this these two um positions are not gonna they don't reconcile well you know and it wasn't the only thing, but that was one of the things that contributed me to me coming to the decision I need to, to not be the figurehead for this healing modality because the sort of shit that I want to do in the world, some of it is edgy and provocative and going to challenge people and maybe confuse people. And, you know, there's so much stuff around cults and power and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm starting a new cult. And people are like, you shouldn't say that word. And I'm like, 
why? Like, it's not, you know, it's just play. It's just art. It's just working with ideas and, and feelings and vibes. People are like, you know, people are sex trafficked and slave for 30. And I'm like, that's not this. If you, if you can't tell the difference between, you know, the creative framing of something and something abusive, then we've got issues. But people, a lot of people can't tell the difference. So anyway, I don't know if that answers your question, but what I will say is um, my desire is to be as authentically expressed as possible, including my sexuality and, and aspects of my nature that could be considered darker or, you know, more provocative and to be in integrity, particularly with myself. But also I think um, I've thought and experimented a lot with brand and how you package yourself online. And I think we can do ourselves a favor by being consistent in what we're doing. And it's, and it's when we're really inconsistent that it attracts um, the wrong kind of criticism or the wrong kind of challenge of like, you know, it's like he says he's this, but now he's that. And then, then that's when it's very easy to get like um, attacked or canceled or hassled or whatever, you know, well, I think when someone is coherent and in their integrity and what they are, sure, you can have sort of things thrown your way, like negative criticism or whatever. That's just part of being a public figure. But when it all, when it all is coherent and adds up to a cohesive whole, it's, you, you're, much, you're much less likely to come, come unstuck or be brought down by, I don't know, criticism if, if you are in your integrity is what, what I'm trying to say so that's been a big journey for me is like the dance between integrity and authenticity I think yeah I love that and that's something I value as well both those things authenticity mm -hmm. and integrity and you have you are an artist like I see that and I feel that I get your emails I subscribe to your email list and the, the I love the way that you write Mm, thank you and there is there's this magic weave between your words and I don't know what that is and it is an energy and what I sense it is my projection is that it's the dark mm. and and so that it sparks curiosity for me in, in because you know you're sending out emails around um the there was a program which I'm, I don't want to ruin the name but it was the money manifesting money uh, wealth Wizardry 101. Yeah. And then yep. you've got Sales Shamanism. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, shamanic Sales Mastery. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something very distinct that I noticed with, within all those emails was the energetics behind it and how I felt reading those and noticing. And that's what was triggering because I was like, this isn't something that I've felt before when I read other people's texts and stuff like that. So mm. what I really love about what you're expressing and what you're sharing and it's helping me understand is this integration piece. Like you're integrating these aspects of what it is to be human because it's an, it's a spectrum. It's not like we're all light and love and let's just yeah. like play in the magic. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I think one, one area that I've worked with is particularly is the predator and integrating the predator because that that language is very negative in our society if we say someone's a predator it's like well we should fucking lock them up if they're a predator but it's like actually we are a primate species that are 
animals, like we're animals, you know, we literally are biological animals and we have predatory and we're, we're weird. We know what's interesting about humans is we have both predator and prey kind of coding. We're not like a gazelle that knows it's prey and we're not like a lion that knows it's a predator. We're like, well, depending on the context, I could be the predator or the prey. That's, that's a human thing. Right. And that, that comes into play in our sexuality when you know when you're talking about women who are like i just want to be taken i just want to be ravished it's like cool consciously lovingly we're gonna play predator prey dynamics or leader follower or penetrator receiver dynamics and you know i i don't think that can only be man to woman like you know man is man is predator woman is prey i think it can be any any two beings can run these polarities any which way that they like and people will find excitement and life force in them in 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 many directions so i think but there's a polarity there around predator and prey stuff and you know um we we are trained as modern humans to not indulge that predator energy but actually um that's a huge part of unlocking uh, like deeper biological resources, but also deeper spiritual parts, which also you could categorize as the dark in terms of dark as in descent, you know, more denser sort of aspects. <clears throat> it's, it's necessary to unlock and acknowledge these predator prey components. And when, when we've got this kind of crisis that we have of abuse of power and rape and all this stuff to me that's a lot of unintegrated predatory behavior like if if a person is moving through the world where that that aspect is integrated healthily into them well they don't need to play it out through a secret power trap of yes i built a tantra school and i'm gonna fucking molest half of the people in it or whatever like that's when i when i traversed you know the story of that person it's like oh yeah this person was a weak man growing this was a weak boy growing up and eventually crawls his way into some position of power and then can harness that. And it's like, well, that's the, the shadowy version, you know, and it's rotten and it's really damaging in our society. But it, to me, it's actually because the predator and many other parts are so in shadow that everyone's playing nicey nice and then getting their, their energetic feed in the background. And it's like, you know, like what, what the fuck is wrong with the Harvey Weinstein? There's something severely broken there. And it's not, it's not power. It's the way the power is used. You know, like if, what, if that person had been integrated in their power, they'd be able to get all their needs met in a way that the people meeting those needs would be quite happy to be part of. But somehow that's not the case. And it's this abuse thing that's happening, which to me basically says, that part's not integrated. It's not integrated with the heart. It's not integrated with the nervous system. It's, it's a shadow part that is, you know, potentially this person, I'm not saying not aware, like they don't know what they're doing is wrong, but there's some kind of fucking split, you know, there's some kind of fucking broken split where if you look at someone who will spend their whole life putting themselves in a position of power, like whether it's in a corporation or whatever, and then, do a bunch of shit that is going to eventually lose them that even from a purely selfish point of view that that's not a rational plan you know let alone the harm and the damage and the hurt that's being caused there's just there's just dysfunction around that in our society i think and 
paradoxically, people will be like, that's just terrible. You just, this person's a predator. It's like, the problem is not that they're a predator. The problem is that they are, their predator is in shadow. Their predator is uncontrolled. Their predator is not integrated into any level of healthy behavior at all. It's an abusive or pathological part. I love that. And it resonates so much as a, as a person who identifies as a woman, you know, I see the the opposite side of the coin of the seductress and using my sexual energy to seduce a man and then manipulate him. And, you know, coming from bartending in a strip club and using that energy to manipulate and get money. Like I, I can see how unintegrated, you know, that it's, it's, it, 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 we lose control. We lose control. And yet that same, that same magnetism can be integrated and turned into fucking deliciously, yeah, magnetic power that people, you know, I want to be in that. I want to feel that around a woman. I want to, I want to feel that energy and be, you know, let it, let it hypnotize me. Yeah. But there's, there's a conscious version and an unconscious version in the same way as, you know, ravish me, take me on a, on a loving level is, you know, if you're looking through the window and you can't hear what's getting said, it's like, is this person being raped? It's like, no, she's having the best time right now. This is, these people love each other versus the same exact actions could be happening in an, in a destructive way. And what's the difference? Actually, it's just intention and presence and love and, and consent, obviously, you know, that's, that's the big frame. And, it's a bit of a, a bit of a sideline, but you know, I'm teaching a lot around sales and marketing and the same thing applies and people sometimes get offended with, I compare these two together, but there is, you know, you can all, you can, it's, it's a slightly, I, I'll concede it's a slight stretch of what I'm saying, but basically you can look at direct sales as a penetrative energy and you look, can look at kind of marketing more as a seductive kind of feminine luring them in kind of energy. And if we're building business and we're using the internet and we're using brand and we're using message, we, we're doing both of those. And there's some kind of nasty, not so consenty, not so loving ways to do it. And there are ways that are like, oh, I'm going to seduce you towards this program, but with full consent, full awareness, you know exactly what's happening. I'm, I'm giving opportunities to you know i i basically i want to yeah i want to magnetize people into my stuff but i want them as they come closer and closer and closer to have points of sort of conscious level check-in as well so it's not because you know i've been in this in this game for a while and what do i not want i don't want a bunch of people in my programs who've got fucking tricked into being there or just accident oh i didn't know how i got here it's like no no, no. that's that's not good for you it's not good for me but for them to feel their feelings and have their desires aroused and have their, you know, feel that like, whoa, this is something about this. I feel drawn towards this. Like, that's a good thing. However, not that turn up so high that it's like, oh, and you bypassed all your common sense and you spent the last money in your bank account and now you're in my program and you've given me all your money and now we have a weird fucked up relationship, you know, like that's, so I basically want to build the magnetism and then there's a few levels of disclaimer, like the thing I'm launching at the moment, there's levels of disclaimer of do not do this. If you are this person or this person, this is not for you. If this is your, you know, 
final sort of $6,000 in your account and you're betting on me to come and save your life, please do not join. Please go and do one of my, you know, $90 things and it might help you or read this book, but don't bet, bet the farm on this. Come to this when you're ready to spend 12 months and we can journey together and you understand that it's a, yes, amazing shit can happen, but it's going to take time to happen. And just just weaving some reality in with the spell casting, you know, I think that's, it's like, and so I guess this is where, um, you know, it's a bit like with great power comes great responsibility. Like the sexier or more magnetic you are, the more awareness you should have that, you have an impact on people, you know, like, and you, you get, yes, you have the choice to use that how you want, but if, you know, if you know that your beauty or your words or your presence or your status just fucking makes people lose their mind, how do you want to proceed with that? You know, like it's, and it's like when we're young with, it's like, fuck yeah, I can do what I want. And it's like, actually, I want to, contribute to society i don't want to fucking prey off people in in the in you know in the unconscious way so i think it's it's about that it's about like understanding yeah we all have these kind of almost magic powers but can they be integrated in some level of heart and service and you know and this is also not me saying you know and i've worked all this shit out it's perfectly integrated and now and i'm the clean it's like not really it's not really that but it's you know, at least it's on the conscious table that it's not like, I mean, I don't, I don't know how the full super destructive abuser people think, but the sense of it I get is that they're so disconnected from that. They're not even seeing it in that way. You know, it's just, this is not even, it's not even looking at that part of themselves. Yeah. And what I'm hearing weaved in between or weaved within who you are and your essence and what you offer is um, integrity. And yeah. yeah, and like I can see the shadow of manipulation and when we haven't integrated these parts of ourselves, how that can play out. Yeah. Unconsciously, of course. Absolutely. And you've mastered the art of the balance between seduction and, and um, what was, uh, I've gone completely blank uh starts with p it's we're literally just talking about it um it's not perpetrator it's oh predator predator yeah the balance between seduction and and that predator energy what i sensed and what i felt was the penetration Mm -hmm. but then also the alluring and yeah yeah it's funny um i um I switched my, I put my, I put pronouns on Instagram last night and I put he, him slash they, them. And I was like, fuck, just why are you doing it? And I just felt, I was just practicing integrating something, you know, and like there's something for me of a lot of the journey with Tantra and mystery school stuff and whatever is this recognition that there is, and, and I, I kind of find these labels problematic at this point, but there is a masculine and feminine aspect to me and, it, and it, I perceive everyone, but I'll speak for myself, that is really pronounced. You know, it's like there's a, there's a minimum two people in here, you know, and I've been working on maturing those two people and then getting those two people in some kind of marriage, you know, for quite a while. And I think that that is another piece that I see in a lot of 
issues around masculinity and male male bodied humans have is we are trained to outsource the feminine to women and so if you're the source of feminine in my life whether that be sex or radiance or love or nurturance or emotional expression or you know however that's been structured in my in my belief system and my conditioning then we're what 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 is a man it's like this provide a robot who's just there to overcome challenges and break through and achieve and fucking feed the family or whatever whatever your coding is and you know rest and pleasure and joy and all that shit is like that's some that's some girly shit that's what my wife will give me or my girlfriend or my lovers or my whatever and you know or my mom and my sister or whoever however it's structured and then there's a dependence on the feminine for that and the feminine and the feminine being an external thing and so then, you know, at the more innocent end, of course, we have codependent relationships where, no, you're that. And so and if she's not being radiant and juicy and whatever, it's a fuck. Well, now where am I going to get it from? If you're, if you're not orgasmic, where, where am I going to get that from? You know, it's your job. Like, and then that's at the normal level. And then at this more dysfunctional, abusive level, it's like, okay, so now you're going to prey on the feminine. Now you're going to be the... Hollywood director who gets to bang all the hot little starlets because they want to be in your movies. And the only way that's going to happen is if, you know, and it's like, ha, 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 I've, but what's really happened there, you've got a human being that believes its only source of this thing is through feeding, taking it from other people. And it's like, that's a spiritual pathology you know that's it's like you are that you like i have my feminine is the woman that i'm closest to you know that's that's where my eros is going to come from and that's where my sensitivity and emotion and connection to the, the world of matter and the material realm that's that's in me and that you know that's the primary relationship to the feminine that I'm cultivating. And as a, as a, as a result of that, there's more ease of whether it's penetrative, receptive, whether it's direct, indirect. And, 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 you know, not that I'm saying because the masculine has to be direct and you, but the point is, if you have all of it, you're free. I agree. And eventually the, the labels dissolve. Yes. But because of our brains and the way we conceptualize to understand, those labels serve a purpose. Until, they, they, yeah. Sorry, you go, you go. I was just going to say until it feels fully integrated. Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, I was going to say they serve a purpose, assuming you came up within those labels and somehow could relate to them. So, you know, more and more I've been in, tantra spaces as a teacher or an assistant or whatever and more and more i have friends that are queer or friends that identify as non-binary or friends that that are not fitting the the uh stereotypical like you know neo-tantra is basically based on heteronormativity as its central concept you know and it it takes Shakti and Shiva, whether they use that language or not, as, as energetic principles and then brings them down into like, so men and women, that's the typical leap, right? It's like, okay, so Shiva, so all the men, you're going to be Shiva. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we just went from like a masculine principle as like pure presence to like the men in the room will be practicing this quality and, you know, 
radiance and life and life force as, as Shakti. Now the women in the room will be practicing this quality. And it's like, that's already a leap that I, that, that isn't really in the, the, the deepest level classical teachings, but that as, as modern, modern being like 1950s, 1960s humans, Westernized humans, we're like, okay, so that's, that's the man and the woman. Right. And it's like, we superimpose that straight over the top of like traditional gender roles that not as many people were challenging it. And in the eighties and nineties, that was just the peak time of like, cool, Neo Tantra, men be men, women be women, practice your polarity, blah, blah, blah. You know, since the sort of, I would say 20, probably 2013, 2014 for me, I started being in rooms that were more, had more diversity in them where there'd be at least one or two people in each room were like, I'm really not comfortable with these categories. And at first I'd be like, that's just because you don't get it or whatever, you know? And then after a while, I was like, hang on. I have come up as a, a male bodied appearing human who had a lot of difficulties with masculinity and masculine categories, but healed a lot of that shit up. And now I can play in these rooms and have a pretty good time. Cause I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm the present masculine or I'm, you know, but the further I've gone unpacking that shit and the more people I've met, the more I'm like, hmm, a lot of this shit is really kind of very narrow, you know? And um, and, I, and I think it's great. We're gradually going to get more and more nuanced and we're going to break apart these categories more and more and more. And, you know, there is, there is something happening right now between what I would call kind of tantric temple culture and kind of queer culture that um, those two circles are starting to... <coughs> talk to each other and they're not always agreeing and getting along, but they're starting to inform each other a little bit. And I, that's been very interesting for me to watch because it's helped me unpack my, it's like, oh yeah, I was coded into these categories as a boy. That's, I was true. And so stuff that I've assumed for a long time in my life is just true. It's just innate. I'm like, that wasn't innate. I wasn't masculine when I was five years old, but by sort of nine i was like yeah i'm fucking tough you know i'm fucking you know i'm gonna be strong mom dad watch but like when i was three i wasn't i was just a fucking sensing feeling being and so it's it's very interesting to unpack all that shit it's so interesting because when you're speaking what comes up for me is the biology so our hormones yes. and, and and what that how that plays a role in the way that we show up in our physical yes. beings and yeah, there's a massive influence, like the way the male brain forms and, you know, at three years old, you're the, the male brain is structured so differently to the female brain. And this is what I'm challenged by with what I do as well, because I'm very heterosexual orientated with my yeah. work based on the biology and the, the hormones that I have an awareness around. Yeah. But then these archetypes do play out in relationships. You know, yeah. the masculine feminine polarity does play out. We, you know, women are becoming more masculine and, and yeah. you know, using more testosterone and more cortisol, which is impacting the way that they show up in their relationships because they're overworked, they're overstressed, they're overwhelmed, they're exhausted because we're not designed to be in a masculine role biologically. But then yeah. that challenges everything that you're talking about, you know, like in terms well, of, yeah. What I see is this, there's separate and contradictory layers going on, you know? So we've got biology is, is a measurable, you know, objective fact, although there's obviously way more variance in biology than we used to be aware of. We can still 
the hormonal stuff we can still measure and see, yeah. But then what we've got is a biological layer and a cultural layer. And the cultural layer is, it's there because it's there. It's there because let's say the biology was such that it was. So when we build a tribal society, we're cool. So the men are going to protect and they're going to go hunt and they're going to such because they just built their bones are fucking thicker and they can run faster and they can hit shit with clubs harder. And the women are going to forage and hunt together and nurture. And, you know, and so it's like, cool. So, so the, the biology has shaped the culture but then the culture remains and deepens and gets trained in and gets labels and builds a whole society around it for fucking, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. And then we get to a reality where, you know, we're in the 1950s and it's like, okay, be a good little housewife and stay in the house. And it's like, there's no further biological reason for this, this role to persist. There is no predators. There is no, you know, the, the foraging and berry collecting is fucking can be automated and there's no predators to really fight against what are we fucking doing and and so a lot of it comes down to what do we want and you know incidentally i don't think most men are actually built to work fucking nine to five five days a week it's just going to be more obvious in a sensitive female body with with a menstrual cycle that that's a mismatch but i also feel that like men are locked into this system as well and it's not that good for them either they're just they're just mostly trained into that's what you do so that's what they're going to do and like you know if i look at my dad's generation he just he worked till he was 70 and providing and putting food on the table was his primary fucking function as a being on planet earth I've come up in the next generation after that and a lot more sensitive in my construction. And, and so I remember having jobs and being like, this is not for fucking me. Like, why would I want to go there? And it's just like, just so in my feels, you know, sitting on the bed, going to head into the call center or the cafe or wherever I fucking work. Some shit. I'm like, I fucking hate this. And it's like something in my soul being, you're not meant to do this. And it's like, yeah, but I got to pay the rent. It's like, yeah, but we are not meant to do this, you know? And I would fucking leave. I'd work some job for three months and then I'd be like, I can't fucking, I'd write a poem or something and leave it on the boss's desk and just never come back, you know? And I did that shit over and over. And it was really, it was because of my sensitivity. It was just like, fuck, I can't. I've been doing it. I've been using my will to make myself go there, you know, every day, three months, six months, whatever. And then one day I'd be like, you know what? I can't fucking do this. And it really depends how I look at my life. Like there's definitely elements that are very masculine, you know, getting in fights, ambition. I have a, I have a very strong drive to what to do, want to do what I want to do in the world. And it's, it's been cultivated, but it also seems to be just part of who I am. But then there's a lot of um, much more classically feminine qualities going on as well. So it really depends on who I'm comparing myself to and what lens I'm looking through what how i fit into that thing and i think you know one of my one relationship i have for about three to four years we were very on the david data train you know we were we were fucking we were committed little data bots and the rule was i must lead and she must follow even though she was a very headstrong very feisty driven woman and i'm kind of a chill soft kind of guy but the rule is you know Man's got to lead, woman's got to follow. And then we'd be in these fights. And it's like, well, you're not leading. I'm like, how the fuck can I lead in this? You know, like I remember having a fight over we're driving to her parents and 
I'm like asking her the way. And she's like, I don't want to tell you the way you're supposed to lead. I'm like, but you fucking know the way. Like in this case, you are the leader, but we've gone so into the dogma of like, you know, man must lead to protect our precious polarity. And that's when I started to be like, hang on a minute. Like this is getting insane, you know? And and then after that relationship, I remember seeking women with a little bit more integrated masculine, which before that I'd be like, oh, I don't want that. I want women who are just feminine, flowy beings. And it's like, I kind of want a chick who can be fucking present sometimes as well. Like I don't just want, you know, I think those ideals are useful, but they become, again, like dogmas, you know, and they become, um, you know, she should always be an orgasmic, yielding, surrendered creature and he should always be president on purpose and it's like fuck man i tried it it's pretty hard to be present every minute of every day in a relationship and be the fucking you know it's like and and then i read this stuff you know it's so interesting it depends what bubble you get into online you know we're in the kind of more uh gen z left leaning then there is no gender and everyone's just whatever and if we go a bit into more the new age rabbit hole it's kind of a little bit right wing and it's like men should be men and women should be women. I'm like, fuck, this kind of sounds like the fifties. And it's like, I think we have to find our own mixture depending on where we're at in our journey and our body and our culture and all that stuff. I think we have to fucking mix and match models and realities because the one size fits all thing of like, it's not going to work for a lot of people. And I see it, you know, there's so many like polarity coaches with fucked up relationships, you know? And it's like, that's just that just says it all that's what I get really um thrown off by is like you've got to practice what you preach yeah and if you're not embodying the work like I was single for a long time and still coaching and now I'm in relationship and I am like it's like this call into integrity to actually practice what we preach but yeah when it's not integrated and not embodied you can sense that as well. Yeah. You can sense that. Yeah. Um, but I'm fully hearing you on like this, this, this diversity and in, in, in what we're seeing. And it's so true. It's about, and you probably see this with your clients and people you've worked with in the past, like meeting people where they're at on their journey, because there is no one size fits all. Yeah. And it is about tuning into what, what is true for us. And I think that like, that's the difference between like being a leader and, it, and invoking inspiration and yeah it can get culty if you want like if you, you you're okay with that word but then there are people I think with the, the the cult somebody who has been in a cult you were witnessed that I think online <laughs> I was going through that whole thing back in 2020 um because I reached out to you back then do you remember that and I was like I want to interview remember. you yeah mm-hmm there's a difference between like handing over your power on a silver platter. And I think what I really like about what you've shared is like getting consent, checking in with people. Is this okay with you? Are you this person? If you're not, this person, this is not for you. Yeah. Um, and when people are practicing and speaking into such strong belief systems around polarity, or this is the way, and this is how relationships should be. Yeah. yeah. It can create so much confusion. So much confusion. I mean, I remember that this this relationship I was in in like 2013 to 2016 or whatever it was, something like that. And it was like every everything that would ever happen, my assumption, both of our assumption was the solution was was in some sort of polarity piece, you know. There wasn't other things to go to. So it was always like, 
David Davis says I should just like throw her in the pool and just change the thing. So I'll do it. And sometimes it worked. It was like, oh my God. And other times it was like, oh, I'm, I'm failing at that. And, like, and I had a lot of stuff around. I'm not masculine enough for this person. I'm not fucking. And it's just like, yeah, if your only solution to everything is be more masculine, you're going to find a point where you, you max out on that, you know, and, and probably the journey I was integrating more of my feminine throughout that journey. So there's this part that probably shit that was working for me in 2013. I don't really want to be doing that in 2016. Like, so like, yes, baby, I'll hold space for you and you'll be the feminine storm. But 2016, I'm like, listen, you need to go sort that out. I'm going to be here taking care of myself. Let's come back together when you have handled that. And that's, that's a lot less sexy in the polarity dance of like, he's just there for me. And I just, but in human reality, I was like, yeah, I can't be managing this person's emotions. Essentially what's, being asked for here is like i'm gonna bring the presence and you're gonna be the chaos and like there's there's a lot of pathology in that the very that very simplistic uh breakdown you know yeah and you've you've said some things where i'm just like holy shit you know like when it becomes oh what would data do like when you start to think about their voice in your head that's like that's being in a in a in my opinion in consumed by a cult yeah you've taken in, on the dogma right you've taken exactly. on something as an absolute truth that that in truth is a useful skill set more around eros it's not really a relationship toolkit it's more like cool we're living our lives we're in a relationship you've come home from work i've come home from work if we want there to be a spark someone's going to have to be a leader and someone's going to have to be a follower. And yes, potentially as the male bodied human, it's can be easier for me just to grab you and you go, Oh my God, if that's what we're good at, then that's going to work, you know? But if that's um primary toolkit for like relating, we're fucked, you know, it's like, yeah. And it's really interesting. Like once I clocked that, I started scanning for more things that like, shared vision and values for the foundation for a relationship for a stable relationship. so it's almost like polarity is based on difference so you want spark and and excitement and then stability is based on sameness so you want some level of like yeah we agree on that we both want to have kids in the next three years that's helpful because if one doesn't one doesn't that's going to be a shit show you know and like i smoke and you're a triathlete it's like that's going to be a problem like that shit's that stuff is going to be what makes it last longer and be more easeful. And then they're like, but when he just grabs me, I just melt. Or when he looks at me that way, like that stuff is going to be what's going to make it exciting and alive. So it's like, ideally we want this kind of challenging mixture of some stuff that is the same and makes us feel at ease and some stuff that is different and provokes passion and excitement. And it's like the, it's a big ask, you know, it's, and it, and it, it can be there, but like, if we think it's just about polarity, we're going to have a fucking shitty ride, I think. And I think what happens, what I observe is people get attached to the fantasy that these yes. stories begin to tell. It's like, you know, 50 shades of gray. This is what you get when you put yourself in this completely polarizing situation. And then yeah. when those expectations and those fantasies are not met, that's what leads to like, you know, all the things, resentment, disappointment. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, wow. This conversation has been so nourishing. I'm just noticing the time. It's like, I don't know what, what you felt, but like, I just feel like we've been in the vortex. We have been in the vortex. We went some different places than I thought too. 
way different. It's like yeah. the questions I had for you were just so different to like where we've been, which is awesome. And I love that. I love the authenticity and the organic flow of it. Um, so what I would love to do is ask you about like how people will, is there anything else you want to share? Is there anything else that wants to come through? Before? I mean, is there anything else you want to tune into? I've got, I've still got a little bit more time. And if, if there's anything you want to address that was on your list, get it, get into it. Yeah, so Dane's dating advice. It wasn't what I was thinking we would do. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so curious about like um, your journey. You know, like I've been through the spiral, spiral before. Someone has taken me through it. I've somewhere got your book clear as shit. You know, you've gone from this like now you're a rapper. Like, what's what what <laughs> like what where how. What's cool. your story? So um, once upon a time, so I was born in the UK, moved to Australia, grew up in Australia in the 90s, had a lot of drama in school, um, got into hip hop in my pre-teens, probably from like 12 or 13, I got into hip hop, uh, wanted to be a gangster rapper from very early on which was kind of a mismatch to the sort of football jock culture that I grew up around. Um, my aspiring gangsterness didn't really fit at the school I was in. I got in a lot of fights and a lot of stuff. Eventually got bullied and stabbed a kid at the school dance when I was 16. Um, that sent my life on kind of a chaos path. I got expelled from school. I got charged with attempted murder. and put a lot of pressure on my family, blah, 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 blah. But it also probably kicked off my transformational journey because I just, I, you know, I had some preset things. I want to get a girlfriend. I want to go to uni. I want to do these things as a little sort of 14, 15 year old. It just kind of sent me down a different fucking, it sent me on a downward spiral, but it also sent me down a lot of interesting pathways of art and culture and psychedelics and, um, experiments i ended up moving in with a guy who was full-on into like occult magic shit that i was semi-terrified by but semi um enthralled by probably when i was 16 i moved at home in my towards the end of being 16 i moved in with this kooky guy covered in occult tattoos and you know there's books in the bookshelf that i'd be terrified to read but i'd open them and be like i'm gonna, gonna go hell if i read this you know gradually worked through a lot of shit studied comparative religion. So I just went down this curiosity path around consciousness and human behavior, I guess, which came up as a result of having had my life a little bit derailed or a lot derailed. Um, I started rapping in my early twenties when, when in a bunch of battles, won a bunch of battles, ended up forming a little crew band, whatever, and played gigs. That was kind of my life from, early twenties to about 30. Um, and I was very committed to the underground hip hop dream and made my cool, weird little battle rap stuff. And a lot of, a lot of that kind of thing. As I hit 30, I was starting to realize I wasn't going to like make it in a financial sense. Like it, it was a struggle. We used to do a lot of gigs and I make a little bit of money. I think I was probably making like 15 grand a year and that was more than any of my friends made doing music you know 15 to 20 grand a year and I was like fuck this isn't gonna happen you know hit 30 decided to put the mic down temporarily 
for now and go and find a career, a business, whatever. Went full tilt into personal development, like got a job in a call center doing telemarketing, spent all my commissions on coaching, training. I mean, did things that were also free and cheap, like the Pashnas and psychedelics journeys and did, did a lot of just absorbing every fucking thing that I could. Um, <clears throat> attempted to build a coaching business throughout the 2000s, didn't really know what I was doing. Um, you know, had a few, had a few broke ass life coaching clients who were all my hip hop friends and like, you know, had some depressing things like some dude trying to pay me in weed and, you know, like people that I'd gone to the coaching institute with were like, well, I just coach all my CEO friends. I've sold another $10,000 package. I'm like, what? All my friends are on the dole and smoke weed and like, you know, want to be gangsters. Like no, no one has any money. Um, so tried that for a while. And then I started really educating myself in sales, marketing, etc. I was doing a lot of mindset stuff. Kind of got out of my job in about 2011 to 2012 and just committed to like, <clears throat> I'm going to do as much, I'm going to create as much value as I can. I think I set a goal to like do 700 sessions or something in 2012. And I just did fucking everything from NLP, kinesiology, energy work, bust your phobia, do business. I just do fucking anything, you know? And that year of the year of just clocking up as many reps as possible, I started getting these pieces dropping in around human behavioral frameworks and how you could mix kinesiology with NLP based coaching. And, you know, I'd, I'd be doing a session talking and I like get them to stick their arm out and do a few muscle tests and like clear some stuff. And I was like, okay, this is, this is a thing. And then I started getting these, images around like spiral dynamics and the chakra system and like what if you overlap these things and what if you started doing clearing to and so this this thing started to come through and sort of by the end of 2012 i had what would be the spiral which for those who don't know about it is a system for clearing up emotional baggage conditioning trauma um past constructs it you know it just clears a lot of your shit um that became a thing for real in 2013. It really took off. Um, 2014, I ended up training practitioners. The next six years, I was the kind of leading person of that. We built an institute and trained a lot of people in that methodology. Um, and during that time of leading that thing, I did a lot, lot, lot of my own work and cleared up a lot of my own shit and then and went down a lot of other rabbit holes like the Tantra rabbit hole and the embodiment rabbit hole and, you know, developed myself more as a business person and a leader and stuff. And basically, I feel like I got spiraled by the spiral over sort of seven or eight years. And by the time it was 2020, it's like, it's time for you to fucking graduate and go and be what you would be if you hadn't, had all the limitations you would have had growing up. And so there's this, there's this sort of journey for me since about 2020, I sold the company in 2021. Um, but there's this piece of like, it's time for you to get off this healer guy. Like that never really felt like the right identity. I was just, I was just leading this thing because I felt like I needed to because I felt like it had, had a potentially big impact for the world and it was helping a lot of people but I also had some resentment of like, it's not really what I want. I like to make new stuff. I like to invent new stuff that felt like it, it 
it ripened, you know, it was ripe by about 2016, 2017. And this is the thing now, like it can still evolve, but it, it basically matured into a powerful change work tool. And I'm kind of like, well, what, you know, I just become constantly fucking sabotaging the business, changing direction, doing this because my nature is to want to iterate and invent and create. And when I turned 40, which is four years ago, I was doing a, Joe Dispenza meditation and I just had these full-on visions of like kind of voodoo themed fucking rap videos with like top hats and snakes and fucking pup witchy babes and whatever just goes just like fuck that's like and I was like it's my 40th birthday I'm like am I gonna start rap again that seems crazy you can't like be a 40 year old and I'm just like I'm just gonna write a few songs to see what happens and you know, I've just finished now my first proper EP, so a little five-track mini album thing that's going to be out on Spotify probably about a month from now. It's called the Dark Wizard EP, and it's a lot of the shit I was writing is a lot of these experiences from, like, mystery school and tantra retreats and adventures I had in fucking Middle East and Egypt and stuff, and it's like so there's this weird cocktail of a cult and tantric imagery mixed in with like punchlines and humor and taking the piss out of the spiritual scene. And I, you know, I produced all the music. I, I produced the rough of all the music and got my buddy Ben Temple step to ripen and improve the production. So I feel really proud on the one hand that I made it myself. And on the other hand, I got a pro to fucking take it way, way better, but it's like, they're my raw ideas. And yeah, it just, it just felt like it, it's almost like when you go through the spiral, what happens? It lands you in your purpose. It gets a lot of your shame and guilt and fear out of the way. And ideally you step into what you're really supposed to be doing. Well, I feel like that kind of happened for me on a macro scale of like, okay, I led this thing for sort of seven or eight years that really fucking grew me up. Like having to lead a community and balance corporate with spiritual, with community tribe interests and try to, manage all that shit which i did well sometimes and badly other times um <laughs> and i think it just popped me out into what i am now which, which is like th there's been this whole embracing of magic which is something i've been into since i was a little kid and i think there's just less barriers to expression for me so i just kind of do what the fuck i want a lot more than i used to love all of this and i'm resonating so much because it's like we create the tincture, we create the medicine and then we end up drinking our own medicine yeah. and then it just yeah. like you know and for a, it's a bit of more of a philosophical I guess stance of just kind of like reflecting on our lives and just noticing how we constructed the foundations to bring us to where we are right now yes. and it's kind of yeah. like oh wow yeah I did that thing that's why I did that thing and here you are totally like, why did I not have a successful rap career when I was in my 20s? I had way too much fucking baggage. I had so many self-esteem pieces and shame and guilt pieces. And, you know, I would have, have constant, I would love performing on stage, but I'd have all these issues around it. And I love the art and getting stuff done, but I'd have so many sabotage patterns around finishing a song or an album and so many projections on the people who were successful in my industry. I would hate half of them. I'd be like, fuck those guys. And it's like, you just were projecting your failure and your self-hatred but as a 22 year old or whatever I had no frameworks to understand any of that I was just like yeah he's a fucking loser you know and it's like do you, do you just think that because they're on tv and you're not like let's 
you know, you're just angry. Whereas now I can, I've, so coming back into it and starting to write music and all these weird frustrations and criticisms will come up and I'll be like, okay, at least I have tools. I have, I'm embodied. I have tools to shift patterns. I can see strange behaviors of, oh, you're going to like almost finish that song and then close the lid and never think about it again. Do you think that's a little traumatized response there? And I sort of sit and feel like, yeah, because if I finish it, then I'm going to get on stage again and then I could be judged. And what if this, and when it's like, okay, like, you know, so it's all the parenting of, I hear you, but do you remember how we really want to do this? Yeah. So what if we just finish it and nothing has to happen, but I think it'd be good for us to finish this. So I was like, okay, we'll finish the song. You know, and it's like, yeah. Parenting this little artist guy who's just like, okay, this is why you were a drunken, chaotic rebel. There was just so many fucking, um, unintegrated pieces rattling around and then I would get some bit of success and then I'd be like fucking not worthy I'm going to do something dumb to fuck it up and like and so now that a lot of that's been dealt with it's like oh well let's go and do the shit we always wanted to do but still have like a million dollar turnover and still do this and still do that and it's like it took so long to be like can you have all that it's like yeah you can if you can hold it in your system if it's if it's integrated yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm just like hearing myself in your journey you know like when the shadow comes in it's like hello old friend I yeah you. <laughs> yeah for me it's like did I just do a behavior that makes no sense it's like uh-huh it's like why am I I'm driving the opposite way what's happening it's like because we don't want to go it's like okay that's um I thought we do want to go and it's like there's more than one person in here and the parts are not you know the team is not in agreement right now there's fucking you know yeah, the totally. child is like, I don't want to do it. And it's like, well, if you don't want to do it, you have the power to sabotage everything. So let's regroup and like, you know, have a conversation. Yeah, full circle, you know, just like weaving everything that you've learned from integrating the predator, integrating these, these aspects of ourselves from the shadows to the, the darker, more dense. Yeah archetypes, you know, just yeah, and how that has served you so well in building up your business and building up your yeah. yourself in being able to deliver and show up in what you <laughs> truly do desire. Yeah. Yeah. It's for me, like this frame around magic has really come in as, as a more appropriate label um, for what I'm, what I believe and what I practice. And, you know, I guess I've come through a lot of like Eastern traditions and kind of new age sort of thinking and those things were okay but there's a lot of assumptions in them that I felt weren't really for me. Like, you know, if you're in Buddhism or whatever, there's this frame of like, cool. So am I trying to get enlightened here or cause that is that the goal? Whereas I feel like for magic, there's a more compatibility with a Western mindset of like, no, I'm trying to live in this life and have the best life possible. And it sort of allows for a lot of a kind of, you know, this young, this Jungian frame that's behind all the, even that we all talk about shadow work, like we're so shaped by Carl Jung, you know, and it's like, okay, I kind of basically want to bring all the parts home and yeah, the predator, but also like the little boy who's like fucking five and like scared, but cheeky, but sensitive. And it's like that parts, you know, and, and arguably that's the part that where we started talking about these, these abusers or predators or whatever, like that's the part that's missing. It's like the little child is missing. And so therefore there's this no feeling, no sensitivity, no empathy for another human being. No. And so that's, that's where this, this, this destruction is here. It's not because the predator is present. It's because the heart or the inner child or the sensitive parts are not present because if those parts are part of you, 
you can't really fuck over other people. It doesn't really feel very nice. You were sensitive, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah. me, this has been this journey of trying to bring, and that's one of the parts that for me in my sort of early twenties rap career, that wasn't, I wasn't leading with my inner child. I was, you know, drunk a lot of the time, getting in fights, rap battling. There's a lot of trauma for me around getting on stage and calling people names and battling. It's like really using my poetic and humor comedic skills to fight basically. And it's like, yeah, that's your inner child did not like that at all. Like it was work to get us somewhere, but it's like, as I've come back to my artist, it's like your artist is sensitive as fuck, you know? It really worries about what people think. It doesn't, it isn't like, I don't give a fuck. It's like, actually, it would be sad for me if people hated the song, you know? Like that's, I care. And it's like, okay, let's, that part needs to be brought in in order to feel. Um, and I think, yeah, this, for me, this magical frame gives room for this idea of integrating all the parts and also of, you know, aligning life around a journey of, of big, you know, on the surface level manifesting whatever you want, but really it's more about manifesting who you really are, which therefore would already have everything you want because it's, it's the being that does the doing and the doing that gets the results. Right. So it's like, I'm just trying to call all parts of me home basically is what my spirit core spiritual practice is. And I've found that magic is a lot more permissive in that because it allows my, what that word means to me, what, how I interpret it allows a lot more space for all aspects. Whereas a spiritual frame often is very denying of anything shadowy or anything darker. It's a bit of a bypass yeah. and the complete yeah. disassociation. Oh, by you using... can only be good. You can only be ascension. You can only be. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually I'm kind of all of it. And I need a framework that makes me feel like that's okay really love what you just said about like just completely owning that you would feel sad if you know people didn't like your music and that's okay yeah it's human yeah there's no like and I feel like sometimes we can go into a bit of a spiritual ego or any kind of ego where we protect ourselves into like nah I don't give a shit I don't care that nobody likes me because I'm safe and I'm good with myself and yeah yeah I can really feel the integration I'm like so happy I've had this conversation with you because I had so many projections (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, was, what was the worst projection what's the worst one um that you were a spiritual fuck boy ah i mean maybe i am well you could be but like i feel like you're aware of it and that's there's a difference there's an integrity piece there because you could be an you and you probably have integrated the spiritual fuck boy but there's that the integrity piece that i can yeah really feel from you from this conversation yeah. where you've integrated that you're aware of that yeah and then you discern how that plays out yeah and and i guess it's like it's a, it's such a fascinating one because i've had a, i've got this song that i wrote about that and a, and a song i haven't put it out yet it's not completely finished but it's like it's called wand of light right and it's like it's fully about you know the dude trying to use his spiritual position to get laid basically and like and it's like writing it was so fucking close to home and not not because I feel like I do those things but but also like I kind of don't have to do those things because my my little spiritual status thing has been kind of locked in so it's like there's almost this like it it's it's very interesting to look at your spiritual status points through more of a grounded lens of like okay so I'm not 
I'm not overtly trying to cash in on this thing, but but also it's it's like privilege, right? Which is a, a word I've had a whole dr- journey with of like, like, well, you're not really looking at your privilege or whatever. And it's like, okay, like, you know, you saying this because I'm a cis white male and, and there may be advantages that I've had that I don't want to acknowledge that it's like, of course, that's a fucking thing. It's the same with any form of status, power, et cetera. Like, you know, it's like an eight foot tall basketball player playing against five foot tall people and going, what? I'm just good at this. It's like, well, you are, but also there's some things that are in your favor in this thing. Right. And I think the, um, the tantric fuck boy kind of thing, it's like, is it the promiscuity that we're hating on? Is it the openness or is it the, the fucking lack of self-awareness and the, the, the fucking falseness that, that comes with the, the idea of that archetype? Because it, in the kind of the way I see the sort of spiritual tantric community, it's like the slut is like this fully impact. Yeah, babe, be a goddess, be a slut, do what you want to do. And it's like, that's, we're all going to celebrate that. And it's like, that's a sleazy little fucking tantric fuck boy. What a waste of space. And it's like, ah, oh. so feminine empowerment implies freedom to choose who you have sex with and how much you want. But if a dude does that, he's a little tantric fuck boy, you know? And it's like, how diminish, you know? And it's like, it's not, it's not a fuck man, you know, probably the fuck man would be quite popular, but the tantric fuck boy, it's like, he's not mature. He's, you know, disconnected and he's faking it to get laid. And it's like, well, okay, well, if I'm not faking it and I'm open and honest about it and I'm not using some bypassy and it's, you know, I'm about to go to America and I have a feeling a lot of these cliches are going to make a lot more sense. Cause I just, I know their spiritual scene has got a lot more fucking nonsense in it than Australia's a bit, a little bit grounded, you know? <laughs> so we have this stuff, but we're a little bit more like, yeah, yeah, let's just be real. Whereas America's like, yeah, baby, I'm a shaman, you know? It's like, oh, fuck, like, really? But why is that, that little tantric fuckboy archetype so reviled? Because so many women have been led on, so many women have you know, I gazed with the guy and thought it was special. And then the next night he's on to someone else or what, you know, these are all the stories around that. And it's like, okay, well, but what if like, what if that archetype was integrated as a little shadow archetype, then what does the person become on the other side of it? Like, can there be someone who is honest and real who also moves with their sexuality, how they choose? Like, is that, is that the bad part or is it more the fake part and the lying part that we we're not okay with i think it's the the lying part and the fake part yeah i mean that's my opinion because i have been with men who are sexually liberated and who are quite honest and open in their communication and that to me as a woman who can handle the truth i love that you know And I'm not implying that other women can't handle the truth, but like it's a, it's to be open and to be openly relating is a really um, it's a triggering space to be in because it reveals all that shit that we're not able to look at in a monogamous relationship. From you know from both sides, like you can you can hide certain things in a monogamous relationship, and I'm not saying one is I don't think one is better than the other either. You know, totally. like, not, not my position. It's it's more what's better for you at a given time, I think is more. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like celibacy might be better at a given time. doesn't mean that's the ultimate fucking form of thing, but it's like, you know, it was good for you, me to take a year off. That was good. You know, um, for me, one of the, the big asks of authentic open relating is like, you know, 
um, this balance between empathizing and caring and synergizing with other people's nervous systems and sometimes being like, yeah, and I'm going to sometimes say and do things that you don't want me to do, you know, and, and being able to hold that with love, which is in a monogamous relationship, you can kind of try and avoid those. It's like, well, I just try to do not do shit she doesn't want me to do. It's like, well, if part of your agreement is we're going to date who we want to date and we're going to honestly follow impulses that, that feel genuine and meaningful, sometimes the other person's not going to be like, yay, they're going to be like, oh, really want you to do that and it's going to be like well in this case i'm going to do that thing or you know if it's a more casually structured thing sometimes we're going to come and go and and the timing of it is not going to be what the other person wants you know like because we're free and it's very tricky to it takes a lot to be enough seated in your own nervous system that you can be open and honest and caring without being rescuey, you know, without leaning into like, that's, that's a real interesting journey. And basically open relating could work if everyone grows up big ask and it, you know, and so could relating of all kinds, you know, like I, I think relating in general is a bit of a shit show and it's because most people have not, sufficiently parented themselves to be both sovereign and empathetic and loving and compassionate you know that's it's a big ask yeah we're not really educated on it hey like there's no structure at all available to anybody unless they recognize that hey there's got to be a better way yeah keep going through life like this and most of my friends who are interested in relationship and conscious relationship have basically almost done a, a degree's worth of study on the subject over five or 10 years, you know, it's like the attachment style, deep dive, the, you know, the monogamy versus open relating the communication skill sets, the embodiment, the nervous system stuff. It's like, okay, that's, that will be like year one of your bachelor's degree in relating that you don't get to do that you probably need, you know? Yeah, totally. Wow. This conversation has been so juicy. Thank you. I mm. really appreciated having you here. Um, if people are wanting to find you, how can they find you? Uh, easiest is probably Instagram, dane.thomas. Thomas is T-O-M-A-S, no H. Uh, my website, danethomas.com, spelled the same as about to be live. It's got a bunch of my music and video clips and stuff on there. Instagram is a bit more all-purpose. It's kind of has courses and crazy rants and memes and little bits of music. They're the main two. I have an email list that I send my blogs out on that a lot of people seem to like. Um, you can just, you can subscribe to that on my website. There's, I love your blogs. They're so great. Oh, thanks. I'm going to double down on the blogging. I think as I, I go to start traveling in a week, a lot of it is going to be blogging in airports, I think. So more blogs. Wow, how good is writing when you're traveling? It's Do you so, get like heaps of downloads? For me. Yeah, it really yeah. goes together for me. Like I was remembering when I was in travel mode three years ago, I was like, oh, I used to write constantly. Constantly. And it's so amazing. To, yeah, I, I resonate with that. Yeah. Um, cool. I'm going to include all of your contact details in the bio as well for anybody listening who Great. want to get in touch with Dane and follow his journey. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Good chat. Yeah, such a good chat. Thanks, guys. Speak to you on the next podcast.